0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: What's going on, everybody? and Welcome back to the Deep Drive in to Left Field podcast. My name is Jack. You can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at MLB Nerds. I'm with really my co-host, Ryan. You can find him on Twitter at uh, Ryan Garcia ESM and uh, Fireside Yankees. And James, you can find him on Twitter at James Valentinas. Uh, it's been a while, but in today's podcast, we're going to be going over our five biggest losers and winners of the offseason with a couple honorable mentions in there. Uh, These are going to be unanimous uh, consensus picks from the three of us. Uh, We'll go through them, talk about them, uh, and yeah, let us know, wherever you're listening, let us know who your uh, biggest winners and losers of the offseason are as well. Um, Let's get started at number five. Uh, For the fifth biggest loser of the offseason, we'll go losers and winners. For the fifth biggest losers of the offseason, we have the miami Marlins. Now, they did bring in Gene Segura. They did bring in Johnny Cueto. Um, but beyond that, they didn't really do too much. They've been in talks with the Twins about acquiring Luis Araiz in exchange for Pablo Lopez, but those talks haven't gained too much steam. So I'll turn it over to Ryan first. Ryan, what do you make of the Marlins' offseason?
2: Yeah, so, you know, one of the biggest issues here, and, you know, when we're talking about teams like Miami, you know, it's hard to pin this either on front office or ownership, right? Because we know that there are obvious financial constraints there. Um, But this is a team that, you know, historically hasn't drafted extremely well. Uh if you look at the offensive side of their farm system, there really isn't anyone coming up, you know, in the immediate future that you're like, man, this guy's going to come up and they're going to fill out their offense this way. Um they can't hit. And they're in an NL East that um isn't really going to be very easy to break into the top half of that. And at least, you know uh, you're looking at the weakest team there is probably in that, you know, top three is probably the Phillies who just went on a world series one run. And, you know, they have an absolutely, uh, loaded pitching staff in term in the top half of the rotation. They have a pretty good lineup. You know, you're not gonna get past them with uh, you know, only Jazz Chisholm as like your best hitter. And you know, guys like Jesus Sanchez and Brian De La Cruz and Jacob Stallings. Like that's just not a group of position players that's getting you over the hump. The pitching's great. You know, but you sign Johnny Cueto, and that should be because you're trading one of these starters to go get that impact bat. Um, but even if you do that, like, depending on who the impact bat is, of course, like, are you closer to competing? You know what I mean? Like, if you trade for Luisa Rise, it's, in my in my eyes, with the intention of competing in the next year or two, you don't want to just compete in year three, make the playoffs in year three, uh, and, and not be World Series ready, and then you lose Luisa Rise. That would kind of be a waste of that trade. You know, what did you really gain from it? Um the Marlins can't go, the Marlins are going into 2023 as a team that, again, they're just not going to be competitive. They're not very good on paper. They don't look like a team that's going to pose to serve as a threat to the Mets, Braves or Phillies. The National nationally wildcard situation is already stacked enough. I've already mentioned, you know, just how good the NL East is. Out West, you have the Dodgers and the Padres. You know, in the Central, you have the Cardinals. The Brewers, I think, are kind of like the better version of the Marlins in that sense, pitching first. But at least I can say there are multiple guys in that lineup who are going to put up uh, 100 WR. Or C plus are better. And I'm very confident in that. Um, The Marlins are just, they haven't done much, you know? And so just that offense and it's a problem.
1: Yeah. I, I would but, have to agree with you. I'll turn it to James here.
0: I would say that with the Marlins, like to be fair, completely fair to them. I don't think there was a move to be made that would have put them in a position to be, you know, like you're talking about winning the NL East or competing in the NL East or making the wild card. Like they're not in a position where, yeah, they have, they have a good farm system. They have guys, coming up in the next couple years but this year I I mean maybe you make one of those moves that kind of like sets you up for that but um you know the lack of moves is obviously concerning for a team that is trying to exit their rebuild but at the same time I don't know if there's a move that could have been made to turn them into a wild card team or even you know a division winner especially in the loaded NL East where you have to play the Mets Braves and Phillies 19 times a year which I think is actually lower this year but um you know, those are tough games. You're not going to win those games. Uh, You're not going to win the season series against any of those teams. And I don't think there was a move out there to be made that would have helped you. Like, you know, you could have, like, there was no, it wasn't possible for them to go out there and sign a Carlos Correa and Aaron Judge. They just don't have the facilities to do that at the moment, even though they're in a big market like Miami. I just don't, they just, they, they're a small market team in a big market city.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Let's move on to the uh, fourth Biggest loser of the offseason. We have the Los Angeles Dodgers. They made two big moves, or you could call them big, two moves, prom, prominent moves this offseason, sending right-handed pitcher Noah Syndergaard to a one-year deal and designated hitter J.D. Martinez to a one-year deal. Now, these are two somewhat of like what we call them rec- um, uh, reclamation projects. They are formerly, frankly, fantastic players. They definitely are not in their prime at this point, but the Dodgers are looking to get some more good baseball out of them. Uh, Ryan, what do you make of the the, the Dodgers offseason so far and what they uh, seem to you know see as a financial reset year?
2: Yeah, so I know Noah Syndergaard uh, in the beginning of the offseason, at least. I'm not sure what his progress is in this regard, uh, but uh, he was working with Tread Athletics, so I thought, like, I remember tweeting, like, hey, you know, someone's going to sign him, and they're I think they're going to be look pretty smart doing it. Uh, and the Dodgers picking him up kind of makes me feel a little bit uh, vindicated by that, or v- validated, I guess that's the word. Uh, but, uh, you know, the J.D. Martinez signing, is that felt like kind of a, a swap for just like for Justin Turner. Um, you know, I-, I think J.D. Martinez can still be a productive hit. Hitter. um I'm pretty sure the home run park factor in Dodger Stadium is actually more friendly to right-handed hitters than Fenway Park is if I'm not mistaken on Statcast but I could be wrong about that. Um ultimately it's like you know the Dodgers I'm we're just, you know I'm going to sit here and say yeah they didn't have a great offseason but I still expect them to like wildly overperform, you know kind of what their offseasons yielded you know this is an organization this feels very like a raise like thing you know what I mean where it's like uh you know underwhelming offseason that'll probably parlay itself into still a pretty successful regular season uh but it will be it's kind of interesting because it's kind of the first year in a while where we look at a Dodgers team and they're like they're not you know the overwhelming favorites to be the best team in the national League at least entering a postseason um so you know it'll be interesting to see how they do next year but you know it's obvious it's an obvious financial reset for when they try to throw uh an infinite amount of money at Shohei Otani next year.
1: That is the plan. James, what are your thoughts on the Dodgers' underwhelming offseason?
0: I honestly don't think it's that big of a deal. I think you're looking at a team that, even with a bad offseason, is still a World Series favorite. They're, uh, I think they're the betting favorites to win the National League. Um, you know, they're, they're still up there. They're one of the best teams in the league. They improved a little bit. I mean, they, like, added a couple guys. I think Martinez is not as much of a reclamation project as – synagogue yeah. i think you kind of know what you're getting with martinez is like a it's a great bat no glove right um you know and he's old so you are also a little concerned about that but you know i think if you get otani next year it kind of negates this whole thing who cares at this like if we're looking back a year from today shohei otani is a dodger then who gives a shit what they did or did not do this offseason
1: i'd have to agree They're still losers but i think you know in in you know down the road, for sure, they're going to definitely pursue Otani heavily. It'll probably be between them and the Mets, and, you know, we'll see what happens. So let's move on to I the – uh, r- yeah.
0: Right before we move on, I think the one thing that separates the Dodgers from the other four teams here on this losers list is that these teams having bad offseasons will set their franchise back. I don't think this Dodgers off season is going to set them back even a little bit.
1: I agree. I agree. Uh Let's move on to number three here, and that's going to be the Baltimore, Baltimore Orioles, who quite literally did – I mean, virtually nothing. They who they signed. They um, they signed a pitcher, right? They
2: signed Kyle Gibson and Adam Frazier. I think was yes. It they
1: season. signed Kyle Gibson and Adam Frazier. That's not going to move the needle, really. Like Kyle Gibson's an innings eater, but he's going to be towards the top of the rotation, I think, or the middle or whatever. And Adam Frazier is a a probably slightly above replacement level kind of player. He's going to give you contacts, you know, bat to ball skills, but beyond that, not too much. So. Personally, not a fan of the Orioles' offseason. They come at number three. The only reason they're not higher is because the top two teams had much higher expectations. I think the Orioles are in a position to contend, you know, if they if they decided to go out and spend money, but they didn't. Um, they do have the number one prospect in baseball, Gunnar Henderson, and they do have Ad- Adley Russman, who looked like a generational talent last season, both of which I think will be fantastic this year. But beyond that, they have Cedric Mullins. They have a pretty decent bullpen. They don't really have too much uh, elsewhere, so... Um, you know they they got a really rich farm system. I I would imagine next off season they'll look to you know make a bigger trade, um, if not a bigger signing. Ryan, what do you make of the Orioles off season? and do you think this off truly set their franchise back? They
2: stink, right? Like that's just how it. Like they're bad right now. They're really they are not a good baseball team right now. And for a team that last year like they overperformed, sure. And like I I know that that's gonna like that that's going to make it hard for you to project them to do as well as they did last year but i think that was a good first step even if you're over from like you know i don't care about the draft position as much you know you, you that's that first year where like you know there are some t- there's tangible success You need to invest in that. You know there were definitely, you know there are definitely things they could have done uh, uh, to go out and get better this offseason or at least put themselves in a position where you know you're taking one year flyers that are interesting. Kyle Gibson is not an interesting one year flyer. Take that flyer on Noah Syndergaard. Noah Syndergaard at least has the has some upside there. There is something tangible there. Where's the upside into Kyle Gibson? He's 35. You know if he's good next year, which I mean we saw this with Texas where he had that really good one half and then immediately gets traded to Philly uh, and. Instantly regresses, and then last year was awful for him. It was a disaster, right? You're trading for an and an, like Jordan Lyles, basically. That's that. This is their Jordan Lyles for 2023. There's no upside there. Adam Frazier's. I mean, there's a little more upside there. Uh, I, I like the Frazier signing a little bit more. Uh, but but quite frankly, this isn't enough. These aren't the flyers. The savvy moves you make when you're one of those. You know, you you're trying to with the Orioles. I understand they're never going to be spending. They're not going to end up spending the way the Yankees spend, but they can spend quite a bit. And if they're going to keep their payroll low for this year, you've got to be taking flyers the way the Rays take flyers, or you've got to be trying to be, you know, trying to make those finesse moves, those savvy moves, and take on players that you think uh, uh, you can get a little bit more out of, you know, th- this team. I mean, look, I know betting odds aren't, you know, perfect, right? But I think they're pretty damn good for uh, a team. They're pretty okay for team evaluation. The Orioles are the fourth worst team in the American league in terms uh, of their odds to win in the American League next year. Uh if they're not contending, that's fine. If they don't feel like this is a year for them to make the playoffs, that's fine. Uh but that you have to make a you have to take a direction off that. You know, you should be signing guys that you feel like you can trade at the deadline and and, and re uh kind of re uh Get some assets back that can help you a little bit here. The Orioles just aren't good and they didn't do anything that would help them position themselves to make trades to deadline to sell off pieces. And I don't imagine that's what they're trying to do because I imagine 2024, they would like to compete. You know, when guys like Aaron Nola hit the free agent market, I imagine the Orioles would like to get a pitcher like that. Um, But what like what's the move here? What's the direction here? They didn't really do anything to help themselves make trades at the deadline or help themselves compete in the AL East. They're the worst team in the American East right now, American League East right now, like by far.
1: All right. Uh, James, what do you think?
2: I think
0: the Orioles are a team that needed really to pick a direction and they didn't. Um, I think their biggest additions, and I know this is kind of cliche, but their biggest additions are coming from within, Um, you know, Gunnar Henderson didn't play much last year, but he's the number one prospect in baseball. As far as I think most people are concerned, um and definitely as far as I'm concerned he's uh he has like generational upside and so I think that adding him and then a full season of Adley to an already you know decent lineup was you know it's those are additions right that you kind of don't consider when you think about um you know the moves that they made because they didn't make very many moves um I don't I don't love what they did though. it felt like there was potential here for them to really make a splash, even if they're not, you know, they're not gonna sign Carlos Correa. But you know, go get like one of the lower tier shortstops, you know, one of the seven-year $150 million deal guys. It it felt like that was a possibility for them. And maybe I'm overestimating their ability to spend, but um, I, th- I think that would that would have been a good fit, especially if you think Henderson is a long-term third baseman, which um, he probably is. So I think that type of move would have been perfect for this franchise. You know, obviously you're going to get Grayson Rodriguez up in the bigs at some point this year, most likely, and that's another big addition. But I think, you know, it's a disappointing offseason for a team that was coming off of a very surprising year. You know, there's no reason why this Orioles team couldn't have gone out and done, you know, what the Mariners did last offseason. Or even at the trade deadline, and just like took a team that was young and overperforming and made it young and expected to perform like that. And then they did. So, I mean, I just don't see a reason why the Mariners, uh, why the Orioles could not be similar to that from last year.
1: Yeah, I agree. All right, let's move on to our second uh, biggest loser of the offseason. We went with the Boston Red Sox here. The Red Sox did not much. They straight up their bullpen for sure, they signed Matt Barnes. And they signed um Kenley Jansen. They also brought in Masatake Yoshida, but uh, who's gonna be pretty solid. But they lost Sandard Bogarts, you <clears throat> know, they extended Devers, which is good, but they really didn't do too much in terms of you know adding wins after a pretty bad season last year. And it's likely that Trevor Story is gonna miss the majority of the season. So as of right now, their shortstop is likely gonna be, you know, Enrique Hernandez, their second baseman, Christian Aurora, whatever. That's not a very good, like their their lineup right now is not very good. Yoshida could be good. Like, he could be pretty good, but like, beyond that, they don't have too much to look forward to. Kenley Jansen, I didn't have him in my top 50 relievers. You know, relievers are a crapshoot, but he's probably not worth the $16 million you're paying him annually. Matt Barnes, I had him, at, I think, 30, in the 30s somewhere. He's pretty good, but I'm sorry, not Matt Barnes. I meant uh, the entire time I said uh, Matt Barnes, I meant Chris Martin. Um, Chris Barnes pretty good, but um, yeah, Ryan, what are your thoughts on the Red Sox offseason?
2: Uh, yeah, you know, Boston, okay. I know that this is going to come off as you know Yankee fans just hating on Boston, but I've I I think over the first few years of the high Bloom tenure, I've been pretty like fair to him. Like I, I thought he was, I, I, and I'm not saying he's a bad jam or anything like that. Uh, but this is not an off you have uh, if you're a team that's trying to pick a direction. Are they good next year? Probably not. They're probably league average. Are they going to make the playoffs next year? Most likely not, like that's that's not a very likely outcome. I, I mentioned the Orioles being you know having the worst, the fourth worst uh, American odds to win the American League. Boston's got the fifth worst odds to win the American League. So, uh, are they a serious contender in the American League? Not really. Uh, their farm's not bad, their farms they have some pieces in the farm, and that's that's a good thing. Uh, but if your intentions were not to sign Xander Bogarts, which Scott Boris revealed, the Boston Red Sox, they you know, they thought they already kind of counseled the Red Sox out of it. You know, they envisioned it to be like the Cubs or the Padres, or I forget the other team that was mentioned. Uh, uh, but he did reveal that the Red Sox weren't really in it uh, and that they didn't really have intentions to sign both Devers and Bogart. So knowing that, why didn't you trade Bogarts? Um, you know, and you can't say it would have uh, affected the Devers extension because Devers it was extended after Bogarts already left. So that really wouldn't add up. They didn't really seem to be interested in bringing back JD Martinez, which is fine, but why didn't you trade him? They didn't seem very interested in bringing back Nathan Navaldi, which is fine, but why didn't you trade him? Um, they, they let a lot of free agents, and not like bad free agents. They are talking like players who had serious value at the deadline and could have legitimately gotten you players back all leave without much of a fight. Uh And then, you know, you sign Noshida, Yoshida is a good player. He's third in you give him a 5-year deal which is fine you know I don't I don't I think if you can you know project a player to age well that's fine but um you want to get most of the value of a, from a 30-year-old in those first two to three years of that deal, in the first two to three years of that deal, you're going to be finishing fourth and fifth of, in the American League East, most likely. The Rays aren't really going anywhere, right? The Rays aren't getting much older. They have a really good farm and they'll most likely infuse most of their talent internally. The Blue Jays, a lot of their p- really good players are extremely young. I don't imagine they go anywhere uh, anytime soon. The New York Yankees are a very good team that probably won't be going anywhere in the next two to three years. And then the Baltimore Orioles, as much crap as I just gave them, uh, you know, with a successful offense season next season and you know as their farm continues to graduate to the major league level and certain guys get experience you know gray rod hall as those guys become uh, a more established major league pitchers that'll definitely help them where do the boston red Sox sit in the long-term future of the american league east right they're supposed like they, they're just they're just not very well positioned trevor story's gonna be out for a while That contract kind of looks worse now. Uh, You know, as you mentioned, who's their shortstop right now? Uh, They signed Adam Duvall, who's a good player if he's healthy, but he's coming off a wrist surgery and he doesn't project extremely well because of that wrist surgery. You got to be concerned about the power a little bit. They're just like, eh, you know, and and that's kind of the worst spot to be in. So. I don't really know. I don't really know how to feel about them. I just think they, they their offseason was obviously underwhelming, but I don't view them as a serious concern in the American League East. I don't view them as a horrible team either. And I don't, and I, they're just kind of eh. And that's not a spot you want to be in.
1: All right. And, uh, James, what are your thoughts?
2: I think
0: the Red Sox are the first team we've talked about that their offseason has made me genuinely angry. Like, I am not. At by any means a Red Sox fan, I don't care about them, but what they have done this offseason is just fucking embarrassing. Uh, the you know, and last, last uh, season at the, at the deadline, too, we talked about this. How is Xander Bogarts not moved knowing you're not re signing him? How is Nathan Avaldi not moved knowing you're not re signing especially Xander Bogarts? Xander Bogarts is a superstar, right? He's a top 25 30 hitter in the, in the league. That's a guy that can command serious value especially with the season he was having last year and you just don't trade him when you're not competing for a playoff spot last year. You're not going to this year, you know, Yoshida is a good player. The signing makes no sense. Why are you signing him? You're, you're not going to be good in his, you know, prime. He's 30 years old. You know, it'd be one thing if he was 23, but he's not, he's 30. Um, Well, I think he's 29, but uh, you know, story is unfortunate because maybe they didn't know about that, but they should have like, that's something you they, should know about.
1: Yeah, I think they did. I think they knew that he there was definitely a possibility. And I don't know why. So, they, If
0: you know it's a possibility, then why is he having the surgery uh, now and not four and months
1: to ago? Four months or even during the season last year. But uh, it's been a lingering issue. And I guess it's good that they dealt with it, but it's going to be rough for them this season. Yeah, uh, I mean, they're
0: going to be really bad this year and they're going to be really bad next year. And they're going to be really bad the year after that. I don't know. Like, obviously it's really hard to project five years in the future, especially with a big market. team like the Red Sox can spend their way out of these problems, but they're not spending the way out of these problems. And when they're, when they are spending money, they're overpaying for a, you know, a third baseman who's most likely a first baseman long-term. And I mean, you know, like looking at the contracts that were given out this offseason, maybe it's not that bad of an overpay, but it's definitely a lot of money. Like it's a lot of money to tie up in a guy who has no glove, no, uh, not great athleticism. Like he just hits. Right. And he's, you know, 10 years from now we're looking at Devers making 40 million dollars and he might just be a DH. So I th- that signing makes no sense. Trade him. Why would you not trade him? If you're not gonna you're not gonna be good, well he's you're probably not even gonna be good until he's out of his prime. It, it just really makes no sense to me what they're doing.
1: Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the winners of the offseason now. Quick honorable mention to the twins and angels. Twins you and-
0: you skip the Giants biggest losers.
1: My bad. Biggest losers are the Giants. The Giants had a terrible off season. They signed Arson Judge, did not end up being able to retain him. Went back to the Yankees. They ended up with pretty much Ross Stripling, Michael Conforto, and um and Mitch Haniger, all solid players. But you know that they were expecting them to spend a lot of money on a lot of superstars. They also had the Carlos Correa debacle. They signed Carlos Correa, and they didn't because of his foot injury or leg injury, like. They, it was bad for them. And, you know, on paper they're in terms of like acquiring wins, they probably got more than like another team that was lower, but they were expected to do so much more, you know, Aaron Judge, Carlos Grant, big free agency, uh, you know, aspirations. They did virtually nothing relative to that. So Ryan, let me get your thoughts on that, that this offseason for the Giants.
2: Yeah. So uh, they really want to Aaron judge and they didn't really like, it, I think if you were going to go all in for Aaron judge, you have to make sure you get him. And the same thing with Cray. If you're really going to go all in, you have to make sure you get them. Uh, I know they got Mania as well on top of the three players you mentioned, but ultimately like, I don't really think I think it's all relative to expectations. That's kind of why they're here. Right. I think that's kind of uh, the best way to put it. So uh, just overall underwhelming off season for them. And they're not any better, I think, than they were when they were 81 and 81. So yeah, and, uh, yeah, uh, G- yeah,
0: definitely. You look at the Giants, and it's you know you sign Correa, you sign Judge, but you
2: didn't like,
0: and you know the Correa thing isn't entirely their fault. Um, you know, you you don't know what his injury looks like because like the Twins did know, right? The Twins obviously had him last year, and so they knew, but the Giants didn't. So you know, it's you can't really fault them for that as much. But I think you could have come to terms with on a different deal if you weren't so you know worried about it. Uh, the Giants, this is San Francisco that we're talking about. This is like a top five market in the MLB. This is not, you know, this is not a mid-market team. I'm not a small market team. This is a massive market team that should be spending massive money at least, you know, to especially coming off of last year, uh, two years ago when they were really good. Um, it, it just feels so disappointing because it felt like they were on the way up and now they've completely crashed and burned.
1: Yeah, I agree. All right, now let's move on to our, our biggest winners of the offseason. will mention with the uh the twins and angels, the twins for retaining Carlos Correa, small market team being able to retain a star like that is critical. The Angels made a couple solid moves earlier in the offseason, but not enough to crack the top five here. Let's start with number five, the Chicago Cubs. They brought in quite a few players. Dansby Swanson, Cody Bellinger, Jamison Tyone, um, Brad Boxberger, you know, Trey Mancini. Some really solid quality players. Um, and Ryan, I'm wondering what you think about that.
2: Yeah. So whenever you're talking about a team that's kind of in the stage where the Cubs are, where I think they're nearing kind of the end of that rebuild, we're kind of seeing, you know, them bring up some of the, a lot of the, especially on the pitching side of the ball. Um, they have a really, a really under uh, underrated bullpen. I, I think their bullpen kind of has a lot of uh, really good flyers in there. I really like the Julian Merriweather pickup. I think that's perfect for them. I'm a big Jamison Tyone fan. I, I'm not necessarily saying his upside is, you know, he's going to go out there and he's going to win the Young or anything, uh, but I think he's a solid starter. And last year you showed, he can definitely handle uh full season's worth of the Uh, uh, innings pitched. And I think that's something that the Cubs really needed. Um, we're going to see a year or two of Justin Steele getting a full-time starter role, and I'm really excited for that. Uh, the additions of Trey Mancini, Cody Bellinger, I think those are flyers you take. Obviously, Dansby Swanson, I think, gives them stability in the shortstop position and allows Nico Horner to be a second baseman, even though Horner's an excellent defensive shortstop. Your middle infield secure for a very long time. Uh, so, you know, they'll, I know that they're looking to extend Ian Happ, and I believe uh, Nico Horner as well. If they can do that, that would be excellent. But so far, we're kind of seeing the Cubs, they, they need a catcher. Uh, and, and, you know, Wilson Contreras is leaving is, uh, definitely hurts that, but I I understand why they didn't pay him. Um, ultimately, you know, they're going to continue to have to figure things out over the next year or so, but they're getting closer, you know, and I think that's ultimately what they were aiming to do, you know, and, and I think they did a good job continuing to build on what they have so far.
1: Yeah. Let's talk to our Cubs fan here, James. James, what do you think about your team's offseason?
2: I'm
0: mildly – like, I think, I think they had a great offseason, but I think at the same time, like, you – as a as a team, like you look at what Korea signed for, right, six years, two hundred million, and then you look at what you signed Swanson for, which was what seven one seventy five, I think. I mean, maybe you know Swanson. I I'm not, I'm not in love with him. I don't think he's gonna be like the best, you know, shortstop in the league ever. Whereas Korea might be. I think that's a little disappointing. But outside of that, like you signed some significant upgrades. I think the Cubs have one of the more underrated pitching staffs in the league, just straight straight up, not just the bullpen, like you were talking about. Um, Ryan, like the Cubs last year, I think, had an underrated bullpen. Uh, they had a really low bullpen ERA, but they didn't have great like strikeout numbers or anything like that. But bringing guys like uh Keegan Thompson and Albert, uh, Edward Azalea into the bullpen is a huge uh upgrade, especially since they have you know, now they're starting rotation. You look at it, it's not the best, but you have Steele, uh, Strowman, who are two very good pitchers, very reliable pitchers. You have Lesneski, who has crazy upside, right. Um, And then Tyone and Smiley are probably your uh, other two. I mean, Kyle Hendricks is still there, but I'm not sure exactly what you're going to expect from him this year. I really hope that they don't like legacy put him in the rotation. You know what I mean? Like just put him in there because of who he is and what he's done for this franchise, especially moving forward into this next phase. I really, I really don't like, this doesn't feel like a rebuilding team anymore, even though they're probably like, you know, I think they might have a winning record next year. I don't think they're a playoff team. I think they're probably like an 81 and 81, 500 team, but I think that's okay. Like being where you are, given how good your farm system is, I think that's completely okay. And this is where, you know, a team like the the Orioles should be, right? They should be signing guys. And obviously it's different because the Cubs are, you know, it's Chicago and Baltimore. It's, we're not talking about the same thing here. We're talking about, um, you know, the biggest, one of the bigger market teams in the country and then, you know, Baltimore Orioles who are kind of a mid-market team. But more so what I'm saying is you made, you made a real like attempt to make your team better, and that even if it doesn't work out, that makes me happy as a fan.
1: All right, let's go number number four, which we have the New York Mets. Um, you know they brought in quite a few players. Cody Senga, Justin Verlander, Brockback, back Brandon Nemo, Edwin Diaz, uh, Adam Ottavino. They brought in Brooks Raley in a trade. Um, they were able to shed James DeCan. Um. But the problem with the Mets, they did lose Jacob Degrom, who's the best pitcher in the league. They did sign Carlos Correa, and um, uh, they did sign Carlos Correa, but they um, they, they, did, well, they uh, didn't. Yeah, they didn't sign him. So, um, I would say the, the Mets definitely of the off season, but um, it could have been a lot better. Ryan, what do you think about that?
2: Yeah so you know with the New York Mets situation uh you know as you mentioned with losing to Grom, like that sucks obviously but I, I do understand feeling a lot more comfortable making a commitment to Justin Verlander uh in terms of just looking at where your window is and, and kind of the concerns with the long term outlook of Jacob deGrom's career. Uh, I think they good did a good job uh making sure they made good trades uh with the bullpen as well. Brooks Rayleigh, I think, is an excellent reliever. Uh kind of they needed a lefty, and I think he's an excellent pickup for them. Getting rid of James McCann, look, I know the Orioles ate like I think three million dollars of that money, but it was more so about just getting him off the roster, right? Uh and getting him off the roster and having to pay all of that, all of his salary uh for the next two years is a win. Um, you know, they they brought in Omar Narvaez as well, and I think that's a good catcher to bring in to you know, kind of make sure. They don't have to force Alvarez to catch on day one. Uh, and, and I think he works well with Nito as well. Uh, and, and, you know, making moves like making sure you bring back Nimo, making sure you bring back Diaz, you know, especially Nimo, it, it was going to be very hard to find a center field replacement if you weren't going to bring in Aaron Judge. Uh, so, you know, bringing in Nimmo, that's, that's a great way to make sure you don't have to answer that question. Diaz was cerebral last year, so bringing him back was kind of a must, and he did so very early. Uh, So far, kind of, the Mets, I know the Correa thing was kind of a, that, that's probably the only, like, thing I would dock them for. But, I mean, man, it's really tough to be, it's really tough to, uh, you know, not say these guys had a really good offseason when they spent that much money, right? You love to see a team spend money, and they that's what they did. And James.
0: I'm gonna pose a question to you before I say anything else that will get a reaction, but I don't know how I feel about this. Is it really that much of a downgrade to go from Jacob Degrom to Justin Verlander?
1: Yes, it definitely is. As far as true talent is, as far as value I'm not is, talking
0: about true talent. I'm talking about uh, I'm talking you,
1: about value, like no, the value what?
0: that Justin Verlander will most like. I would I would I would bet you that Verlander has a higher WAR than Degrom next year. How much? Uh, twenty bucks.
2: All right, let's do it. Okay. Uh, the way I see it is just that, like, I just think that Verlander is going to be close enough that you're like, but I only had to give Verlander two years and DeGrom the back end. Yeah. And like
0: the other thing is the contract. Like, I am not comfortable giving Jacob DeGrom that contract, especially, you know, if if you're the Mets, it doesn't really matter. You know, one thing to be concerned about is this whole Correa thing. I don't know what this what like Steve Cohen could could be in trouble for what he did here. Um, there, there is a concern about that. I don't know if it's been completely mitigated. I don't know exactly. Like I haven't kept up with you it, but it.
1: You spoke about it publicly on the record to the media, like right, which is that completely illegal. But yeah, you can't do that. Fully you can't, illegal.
0: you can't do that. But um, I don't know if, like, I highly doubt that Boris is going to do anything about it because it doesn't oh, make yeah. sense. It's too for many him. clients. I doubt it. What'd you say?
1: They, they just have too many clients. The, Boris has too many clients for the Mets to, to sign, so he won't do that. I doubt. Right, exactly, yeah.
0: especially because the Mets are just dishing out money like this, it just doesn't make sense for him to create a rift there, yeah. But, anyways, uh, back to the baseball, I think Quintana's an, an amazing signing. I think it's what, um, what?
1: I forgot about, I, he's great.
0: I think that is, uh, I mean, like, it's, it's flying under the radar and expectedly so, but Quintana was like. And obviously this is more a testament to what the Cardinals were than who he, uh, Jose Quintana is. He started game one of a playoff series last year. Yeah. And now he's, he's what?
1: you're. What? He's a 4-1 pitcher.
0: Yeah. I mean, he had a great year last year. Obviously he had a couple of bad years before that, but he has a track record like of being an all-star pitcher. It's a guy who, you know, maybe he found something again. I And if he doesn't, would you pay him $5 million? Like, it's really not that, it's not that big of a deal, especially for a team like the Mets. Bringing back Diaz is huge. Um, bringing in Brooks Raley uh, lefty in their bullpen, big, big move for them. I like Narvaez. I think he's a good fit with Nito, like, uh, like Ryan said. And then obviously like you look at their infield, it's Alonzo, it's McNeil, it's uh Beatty and Lindor. Like this team is loaded. Right. And, you know, obviously you would have liked to have Correa at third base, but I don't think it's that big of a deal that you don't you, I mean, looking down their roster, like they have an above average player, I think at all nine positions. And I don't think you can say that about very many teams in the
1: league. Yeah, I would have to agree. Um, all right, moving on to number three, we have in terms of the third biggest winner of the offseason, we have the San Diego Padres, primary, the big moves here. Xander Bogarts, Seth Lugo, Matt Carpenter. Um, and they brought back Robert Suarez in a questionable deal, but he's a good pitcher.
0: And they lost Josh Bell.
1: They also lost Josh Bell, Mike Clevinger, and um and Sean Manaya. I I really like this offseason. I think they got significantly better with Xander Bogart at shortstop. You know, I guess Tatis moves to left field. That's fine Um, when he's back. Seth Lugo, I think, is interesting. I I think he is a good – you know, he's some upset as a starter. And if he doesn't work as a starter, he's moving to the bullpen. Uh, Matt Carpenter, we saw he did last season. I doubt he posted another 217 WRC plus again. But he's a really good platoon. um, Designated hitter with Nelson Cruz they also brought in. Um, And, um, yeah, Robert Suarez is a a fine – he's a fine free agent. I'm sorry. He's a fine, you know, he's a fine pitcher, but like, he's not probably not worth the five years and $40 million they gave him. He, but he's a good pitcher. He, five years is a lot of years. So, uh, Ryan, what do you think about the Potters offseason?
2: I just think, you know, ultimately a lot of the losses they had were kind of players that uh, I think Mania is talented and it just didn't work out. And that's unfortunate. Uh, and I, I think they kind of had to move on. Um, you know, they took a flyer on uh Seth Lugo and I think that's a good flyer to take though. I would, prefer they actually get like a fifth starter who can eat uh some starts there uh, i don't think martinez and lugo are going to kind of survived the whole season as starters. Uh, you know, ultimately, they, and then you look at Tatis coming back, that's going to be a big help. Um, you know, second year of Josh Hader, uh, you know, I, I think the Bogart deal, I mean, obviously, you know, you're not, you're not, you don't fear great about giving him 11 years, but uh, bringing in a guy of his caliber, I mean, he's a superstar player, as James uh, mentioned earlier, um, this team is just really damn good. Like, I, I think you can argue this team is better than last year's team. That team went to the NLCS and they did so without Fernando Tatis Jr year um so you know they they put themselves in a position where you know they they probably are worried that they could lose Manny Machado this offseason He can opt out and they were like you know what screw it we're gonna bring in Manny Machado we don't care if we have to overpay a few guys we kind of want to you know they view this year as a really big win now year uh and I respect them for for kind of identifying that and going all in so uh, I think they're definitely winners this offseason they have a really good shot to win at NLS uh kind of my first time feeling that way since 2021 which doesn't look which didn't go great for them but who knows
0: since 2021 is like come on that's two years ago. <laughs> yeah like, I, like, I was, what, you're saying since 2021 I like completely, 15 years dude, ago
2: I completely forgot about like the 2021 offseason where like the Padres were like I forgot about that like yeah, I just completely forgot about that yeah I mean, the Padres were sure. like okay well anyways
0: um I think the Padres are I think they're gonna be everyone's like sleeper world series pick I think everyone's gonna be like oh they're like and, and at a certain point they're you know you're not a sleeper anymore if everyone thinks you are but um, I'm really concerned about the back end of this rotation. Uh, Nick Martinez, Seth Lugo, like, uh, who else do they have here? Adrian Morahone and...
1: Uh, Adrian Morahone's really good. If he's healthy, he's going to be really good, honestly. Brian
0: Weathers, maybe? Is he still on the back
1: He's, yeah, but I think, I don't know. I, I think, you know, their rotation is pretty talented. I think more. Oh, yeah, at the
0: front, like, I, I mean, I feel great about Darby Snell and Musgrove. That's not what I'm worried about. I'm worried about...
1: Uh, I mean, look, I I think I don't know. I, I think Anderson. Sorry, I think um, Morahone has a really really high ceiling as a starter. I don't think we talk about him enough. And I think Lugo can be fine. But yeah, I I, I could I definitely kind of agree with you to a certain extent about they probably like if they had brought in a Quintana type of player that would have been pretty ideal for them.
0: Oh, I mean, like yeah. If I think if you bring in a Quintana here, we're looking at. And obviously, like, I might be, like, over-hyping what Quintana is, but I think he just brings stability to the back end of your rotation, which I don't think you have. Seth Lugo's not a starter. Like, let's all be honest with ourselves here. Seth Lugo's a reliever. And yeah. he's – and I think having him as a starter might kill your bullpen. But, you know, like, that bullpen's not bad either. It's You got Hayter, who's obviously one of the best closers in the league, despite the fact that he had a, such a bad end to last season – uh, Robert Suarez, Tim Hill, Luis Garcia—like that's a good bullpen. And I mean, you look at this lineup. This is—I mean—you could make an argument. I think that this is the best lineup in the league. Um,
2: yeah.
0: Now with the addition of Bogarts, I don't—I don't know if I would. I think Houston might still be better. I think, um, the Dodgers <clears throat> obviously might still be better, but but they're they're definitely top five as far as yeah. lineup goes. I mean, you got uh, you are absolutely stacked, right? You got uh. Uh, Machado, you got Bogarts, you got Tatis, you got uh, Soto. Like that's that is four genuine superstars in, yeah. in a lot. I, I don't think any other team in the league has four genuine superstars. Um, at least not hitters. The Dodgers have four, but one's a pitcher. So, um, you know, I mean, like this team is like scary good. I feel like, and I think they, I think they have upside to be the best team in the league. And I definitely think they could win the World Series. And I don't know mm-hmm. if I would have said that last year.
1: I think I agree with you. Yeah the the addition of Bogarts is a lot, even though it was eleven years. But yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, yeah, you overpaid for him. But the 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 Padres, sorry, don't give a shit about money. They don't care.
1: Like try to care and touch fourteen years, four hundred million dollars. So yeah, like you
0: you you have seen based on the Padres' actions that they they are you know they don't get the same hype as the Mets. I think it's because Steve Cohen is much more you know renowned and well known, and he's more you know outgoing and outspoken, right? But the Padres as an organization clearly do not care about how much money they're spending as long as they're good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to our second um, biggest one of the offseason. season. And uh, that's going to be the New York Yankees. Now they did bring back Aaron judge in and in a very long, massive deal. Uh, they did bring in Carlos Rodon, probably a top seven pitcher at worst. Um, they brought in Tommy Canley back. Um, and, you know, they're, they're potentially, they're monitoring the left field market still, to, you know, Kepler Pro far potential options. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're and they did uh they they their offseason obviously hinges pretty much on Aaron Judge and Carlos Rodon, both pretty much superstar caliber players. Rodon has really found it. He's got some of the best stuff in the league. And obviously Aaron Judge had one of the best seasons of all time last season. Um Ryan covers the Yankees on a daily basis. So Ryan, without, you know, without as much fanfare, what what is your uh what is your opinion on the Yankees offseason?
2: Yeah. So, you know, I was trying to like purposely intend myself to like, make sure I don't sound like a Homer here, uh, but to summarize the Yankees off season, the Yankees signed the best hitter on the market last year in F4. and The Yankees signed the best pitcher on the market last year in F4. Um, so, I mean, it's hard to say a team doesn't, rank in the top 5 for winners when they do something like that. Um they also brought back brought back Rizzo and I think that was an important uh player to bring back. It happened very early. It was very important to that team. Uh Tommy Canley, I think is a nice addition. I don't really like I love Tommy Canley, so like that's more of a vibes thing for me than anything else. He's also a pretty good pitcher, but I'm not going to sit here and say like that's like one of the biggest additions of the offseason. Um you know, I, I would like them to get a left fielder. I think, you know, that team is better suited with Oswaldo Cabrera in a utility role instead of starting in left field. Uh, but Oswaldo Cabrera isn't like a terrible left fielder either. So, uh, you know, I can live with it. The The lineup is definitely the, the, the point of like, hey, like, you know, the, the pitching staff is like, freaking stacked right even with montas out like they can throw they can throw clark schmidt in the fifth spot herman as much as i dislike him is a league average starter like you can live with him as your five for like a month i know montas restarted started his throwing program according to jack curry on hot stove so it's not like a situation where he's not throwing for all of april um well going to be ready to go for spring training and play play third base if need be, and I think that kind of takes pressure off of needing Josh Donaldson to be a starting third baseman. Torres is your second baseman. Peraza takes over for IKF. I don't know what they're going to do with IKF. Uh, They most likely will trade him, but the team's just like pretty good position player-wise, and they're a top 10 lineup, so you don't care, right, because the pitching staff is just so damn good. Uh, And quite frankly, when, again, when you sign the best pitcher and the best hitter on the market, it's kind of hard to have a a non-winning offseason. I agree. James,
0: I would say if you look at what the Yankees did, it's it's a very top heavy offseason, right? They're not they're not like we're talking about these teams like the Padres or maybe and more of so the Mets, right, where they made a lot of those like under the radar moves and the Cubs did, too. The Yankees signed two superstars and one of them they brought back, one of them they brought in. It kind of felt inevitable that Rodon would be a Yankee uh, as much as I didn't want him to be because I don't like the Yankees. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, the Yankees have an absolutely loaded rotation. And I've seen a lot of it's mostly because I follow Ryan on Twitter, but I've seen a lot of uh, discourse about the Astros and Yankees rotations. Um, if you think the Astros rotation is better, that's just a ridiculous take. Um at this point, especially after losing Justin Verlander, that is a ridiculous take. Um, <clears throat> but looking at the Yankees, I think you you had to sign in touch back. You didn't have a choice, right? But I do think the contract is a little bit concerning. It's a lot of money for a guy who is already pretty old. Um, He's what, 30, 29? Um,
2: Age 31 season this year.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, like, obviously you don't expect him to fall off a cliff, but at the same time, like, I don't know how how I would feel about paying him $40 million in 2027. So, and you know, 2027 is not that long. Like that's, that's only the fifth year of the deal. It's a little concerning. It's, and and especially because both uh Rodon and Judge have had some injury problems, especially Radon. Uh like Rodon has serious injury concerns. Especially uh, like that's just something you can't you can't really beat about around the bush there. Um but you know, like this Yankees team, they're a World Series contender. They probably won't win it because they never do. But um, you know, they're they're up there. They're they're one of the best teams in the league and they got better.
1: It's okay, it's okay though, because the Giants are going to win the Super Bowl. Um,
2: the Giants are going to
0: lose by forty this weekend.
2: All right, Danny yeah. fucking Dimes is outdoing Oh, well, you, you want to
0: take the spread too? Give me Eagles minus seven and a half.
2: All right, fuck man. the numbers. Fuck the betting odds. Danny Dimes by thirty. Yeah. He's him. And
1: at number one, we got Shut the up, Texas Rangers. Browns, man. We got the we got the Texas Rangers. They um, did a lot of this offseason. They brought in Jacob Degrom. They brought in Andrew Heaney. They brought in Nathan Avaldi. They pretty much built rebuilt their entire rotation. They brought in Martin Perez again on the qualifying offer. Um, yeah, I mean, they had a pretty solid lineup to begin with, and they just basically ran their entire rotation. They'll be getting Mitch Garber back. Should be healthy. Um, they they really do need another corner outfield bat, probably. Um, but, I mean, I really like what they did. I think they just got so much better. They really didn't lose anybody. And they just brought in probably the best pitcher in the game, you know, definitely the best pitcher in the game. If, if, you can, if you can throw 185, 180 innings, like that, that's a crazy win right there. Um. So, yeah, I mean, we have the Rangers number one. I think the top five is, is there's no clear winner, no clear loser. I'm, I'm sorry, there's no clear winner out of the top five. I just think the Rangers probably, you know, improved the most. Um, Ryan, what would you say here for the Rangers?
2: Yeah, uh, I hundred percent like agree with the notion of like yeah hey look you know there's no real way to objective way to do this but I I don't think I've seen a team just go out and like decide hey we're just gonna sign our we're just gonna buy an entire position They kind of just threw money at all their pitching problems which i respect the hell out of yes you know we're gonna there's like you know i i i do feel uncomfortable about the degrom, DeGrom contract 100 uh, but it's kind of like in the same way james used the judge contract where it's like you kind of needed that like ace caliber pitcher the way the not exactly the same way the yankees needed Aaron judge but in a way that you can justify taking a little bit of an uncomfortable uh, uh contract to make sure that happens i think andrew he needs a great p- pitcher to pick up on what is a pretty cheap deal two years 25 million uh for a guy whose strikeout numbers are like they were through the roof last year. albeit be in a small sample that is concerning. Uh, you know, I, I think he's a, like, he's your fifth starter realistically. And that's a really nice fifth starter to have. They still have plenty of pitching depth in their minor leagues. So uh, in a situation where any of those guys go down, they have internal replacements. Um, you know, Nate Ivaldi, oh, man, Ivaldi, I love this guy. And I know I just butchered his last thing the first time. So you don't have to say it when you, when you open your mic, James, don't, don't, you don't have to say it. Uh, but Evaldi is, I think, I think he's really someone that can be like a number two or th- like a really good number two on a pitching staff. And, and I, I really like that signing. Martin Perez probably fouls in as their two on paper, but I think it's a John gray was really underrated last year, really good peripherals and a solid ERA. So um, the offense is a bit of a, not a bit, it's, it's definitely concerning right now. They kind of need more outfielders, but they can still pull off a trade for Brian Reynolds. Um, and overall just great job fixing that rotation instantly. One of the 10 best in baseball, not even a debate. And James.
0: I am very, very concerned with Jacob DeGrom's health. However, when he pitches, he's the best pitcher in baseball. Um, at the same time, you look at the you look at the Rangers, right? And it's you know, they last year they bought an entire lineup and this year they bought an entire rotation. That, that means over the last two years they bought an entire team. Um, I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs. I don't like I don't think they're that good, right? Um, obviously Simeon had a down year last year. So, you know, if you could, if you can get 2021 Simeon, then maybe we're talking about a playoff team here, but I don't know if 21, uh, 2021 Simeon or 2019 Simeon is really in the realm of possibilities. Uh, especially given like the, all the ballpark stuff that we we always talked about because I always defend him. Um, I mean, obviously great, great second baseman, one of the best in the league, the pride top three, but you know, like outside of him and, you know, uh, what's his? Is it Josh Young or Jace? They have Josh. Yeah, Jace is a tiger, right? Yeah, Josh. Um, yeah, so Josh Young is great third base prospect. Um, you know, uh, Nathaniel Lowe is an okay first baseman. I just, I, I don't know about this lineup. Like the depth is a little concerning. Uh, Garcia in center. I think they still have him. He's not, uh, you know, like he had that one huge, like half of a season. And then kind of rode the coattails of that for the rest of his career so far. And he probably will. Um, You know, like, this is a good team, not a great team. And I don't know if, like, there's anything to, you know, like, they had a great offseason. They signed the best pitcher in the league, right? But even after that great offseason, are they, you know, a playoff team? And I don't think, especially in that division, I don't think so.
1: Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. Um, that's going to do it for this episode of the Deep Drive in Left Field podcast. If you like what you saw, please leave us a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening to. Subscribe, uh, or rather, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at MLB NERDS. Follow Ryan on Twitter at uh, Ryan Garcia ESM and Fireside Yankees, and follow James on Twitter at James Valentinas. It's been a Deep Driving in the Left Field, and we will see you in episode number 77.